0: the Stressed Out Caregiver Podcast, episode 21. Hi, everyone. This is Casey Price, and I'd like to welcome you to another episode of the Stressed Out Caregiver Podcast, the show dedicated to providing tips, strategies, and a sense of community to everyone caring for an elderly loved one. My goal is to turn stressed out caregivers into confident caregivers and help all caregivers, whether stressed out, confident, or somewhere in between, provide the best possible care to their elderly loved one. Well, we're back. (laughs) And uh, I want to thank you. Thank you for allowing me to be part of your life, especially during this busy holiday season. You know, the opportunity to record this show and share it with you is the best part of my week. I hope the last two episodes, the two brand new episodes we've recorded since our hiatus, that was roughly two plus years, I hope they've been valuable and I'm, I'm really excited to provide more content this week. Now, our plan today is another two-part show. Most of the shows are going to be two parts. These um, first few are a little bit different though. Right now, I'm running the show by myself. I'm flying solo. And I'm doing it all. I'm doing what I like to do as a short segment, which is a kind of a tip or strategy. And we start with those. And then normally we're going to have an interview. But these past few and tonight and, well, we'll see going forward, I'm just handling it all myself because I have some neat stuff that I've put together in the past two years that I think is worth sharing. And so we're going to do a little bit more of that today. So specifically what we're going to do today is talk about care planning. Um, Something interesting happened last night. While I was at dinner and uh, I I was thinking, you know, I had something planned and I I scratched it because it was an important enough conversation um, that I wanted to share it with you today. So part one is going to be about care planning. Part two is a continuation from two shows ago. Back then, I shared with you three secrets that the nursing home doesn't want you to know. These are three things that empower you as you... Uh, place your loved one or, or look for placement or just, you know, things you should know before you look to the nursing home or um, sign any contracts or, or you know, it's just stuff that's natural that you should know, but nobody might, people might not tell you, okay? So what I'm trying to do is expose some of these truths that, look, I say the secrets the nursing home doesn't want you to know. It's, I, I bet you they would share them with you if if asked about them, but they may not be offered freely, Okay. They may not be shared if you didn't think to ask. Well, the reason you listen to the show is to learn things to ask and, and tips and strategies. Um, and I, I have four more of these secrets I want to share with you tonight. Uh, I'm going to have some more in the, in the next few episodes, but these four are, are what we're going to focus the second half of the show on. So without any further ado, let's go to the first part. And that is the importance of care planning and, and really kind of what does mom or dad really want? So, here's what happened. Last night, we were at dinner, I was with the family. We went to a place that we frequent pretty uh, regularly, and this time there happened to be sitting at the table next to us. Now, I told you this was something that happened at dinner, I didn't tell you it was a conversation I overheard, (laughs) but it was. So sitting next to us was a a party of four, Uh, it looked like two couples, and at one point, their conversation turned to the care for their parents. And it was very interesting because they were talking about how it's so important to give the care mom or dad want. What do I mean? One of them was talking about keeping mom and dad home and how, you know, that's what mom It was. I think she was talking about her mother. That's what mom wants. Mom really wants to stay home. It's important to her um they're they're going to bring care into the house they're already talking about hospice i mean this was a pretty detailed conversation and these people were sitting close enough that i could you know once i realized what they were talking about my antenna went up and you know they were saying you know mom really has the ability and the funds to live where she wants for the rest of her life and that happens to be in her home and it was interesting because the counterpoint the other person said Well, my mom is moving into a continuing care retirement community. Now, what's that? A continuing care retirement community is a place where you can age in place. Every need you might have can happen under one roof. So, you can start there in independent living and stay in your apartment, your independent living apartment, and bring healthcare in, like um, AIDS from home healthcare companies, So you maintain that independence on the campus of the continuing care retirement community. Or if the time comes that staying home on your own in the independent apartment isn't isn't feasible, then you can move to assisted living. Often there are memory care units. So if you need help and you have cognitive impairment, dementia, Alzheimer's, um, you can move into a memory care unit in the assisted living. And then there's also nursing home care and subacute rehab, uh, rehabilitation services. So, if you end up going to the hospital, you could then come back to the community and stay in their rehab unit until you're well enough either to go back to your independent living apartment or your assisted living apartment or wherever you might be residing in the community. And so, the the lady who was um, in favor of continuing care retirement community said, look, it's really important for my mom because her friends that she's made in the the community can visit her and stay with her no matter where she is. If she's in her independent apartment, she's got them as friends. If she moves to assisted living, they could continue to be part of her life. Same thing in the nursing home. If she has a memory issue, a cognitive issue, she can go in the memory care unit and they can still be part of her life and that was really important to this lady. On the other hand. The person who wanted to stay home, she was saying how her mother isn't worried about that. In fact, her mother's relatively alone now. She lives in the house, she has healthcare coming in, she's very happy because there's a sense of peace being in those four walls that she's familiar with and she wants to stay there. That's very important to her and she's less worried about social activities, she's less worried about a sense of community and more worried about a sense of home. And you know, I'm I'm listening to this. And these are two friends, the, they were discussing, the, these, this, these two couples were having a, a, a lively discussion the whole time we were there. It's one of the reasons it was hard not to hear this, because they were loud enough and happy enough that it, their, their, their volume was spilling over onto our table. So when, when like I said, when it, when it turned, when the conversation turned to, to caring for their elderly parents... Man, it, it, just, it just hit a nerve for me and I immediately was able to hear everything they were saying. And so I, I, I just found it fascinating. These friends, it's almost like a Republican and a Democrat who are great friends sitting at a table talking politics. They're looking at the same thing but they're coming from different angles. Well, these people have parents who are coming from totally different angles. One wants to stay home, one wants a sense of community and um, that feel. And, and so what's the important takeaway? Because there is an important takeaway that is this. You know, we think we know what mom or dad want. Well, we have to ask them, right? We can't make these decisions for them. We can't assume certain things. Now, if they can't speak for themselves, well, then you have to try to figure out what it is they would have wanted at different parts of their lives. And in fact, in my opinion, if they have cognitive issues and um, need help, it would probably be best to move into a community setting because I think the stimulation might be might be uh, very beneficial. Now, that's just me. Others would say, no, there are great programs for people with cognitive issues, dementia, Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, things that have cognitive um, side effects or symptoms. They could stay home and, and have a very stimulating time if you bring the right help in. You know, it's really... <laughs> it's what color you like more red or blue yellow or green it's a subjective decision what is it that i want or what would i want for mom or dad what would make them proud or happy if they could look back and see the decisions and the choices i made for them so that's really the consideration and these two ladies were very respectful of each other's opinions my mom would like this my mom would like that you know that was the conversation And they were just giving the reasons why their parents wanted different things. Just fascinating. But it drove home that point. You know, there are, you know, what are there, 64 crayons in the box. I think now there's, you get crayons with 128. There's, there's what, 30 some flavors at Baskin Robbins. Um, You know, and it's like that for a reason, because we all have different choices. We all have different wants and desires. And fortunately now in today's day and age, while it will cost some money, We can get pretty much anything we want. If we want to stay home with care, we can. If we want to go into a high-end assisted living or nursing home, we can. We can do pretty much anything in between. And we're pretty lucky. So, and again, the, the goal of the show is to expose you to all of these things so that when the time comes that you're confronted with a decision, you have a lot of information, at least to start with as you make up your mind in what's best for your loved one or share with them what information and, and options are out there so that they can make up their mind for what's best for them. So that's really it. That's, that's the beginning, the care plan, the, uh, what is it that they want, that subjective nature of caregiving. And now let's move forward to um, these tips. If we are moving our loved one into an, a nursing home, you know, what, would we, what would we want to think of? Uh, What would we want to think about and what might they not want us to know? So now, let's go back. Um, Episode number 19, we talked about the fact that it's never too late to save money. It's just a question of how much. That was our first secret. Okay? Our second one was how Medicare won't pay for the nursing home. Now, they'll pay for some. They'll pay for rehab or skilled care, but they won't pay for a lot. Go back to episode 19, listen, and you can hear a, a long conversation about what Medicare will and won't pay for. And then number three was you can choose your own nursing home. They can't direct you or tell you where you have to go if you're in the hospital or at home and need to be admitted somewhere. Your loved one and, and you as the caregiver, you have the choice as to where, where they might want to go. Take a look at episode, or take a listen to episode 19, and, and we talked a lot about those three secrets. Now, secret number four, secret number four is this. In New Jersey, no one has to guarantee your payment to a nursing home. So what's that mean? That means, you know, your loved one when they move into the nursing home, they're going to be given a big contract to sign. If they don't have the ability to read or sign it, they're going to look to you as the power of attorney to read and sign the contract. Now, it may ask in the contract for the name of the name of someone to act as a guarantor of the bill. Think think like a co-signer in a car loan. They may want somebody listed as to who they can turn to, not to use mom's money for mom, but to use their money for mom, your money for mom. If mom can't pay the bill, then you will pay it for her. Well, doesn't that fly in the face of Medicaid? right? Isn't If mom runs out of money and is eligible for Medicaid, we're going to look to Medicaid. But what if there's a problem? What if there's a hiccup? They want you to guarantee the bill with your own money. Well, in New Jersey, no one is required to sign in that capacity. They can't make you sign. As the guarantor now that's in the nursing home in the assisted living they can look for something they often call responsible party now remember as we're talking about these things I am a lawyer by trade but I'm not giving you legal advice I'm opening your eyes in this conversation to know what may be out there and what you can expect you need to go and talk to an elder law attorney for help Okay, If if you have problems, if you have questions in this regard, you need to go to an attorney, talk to them so they can explain exactly what these contracts say and what your rights and responsibilities are. But as I started to say in assisted living, you may be given a contract where you're asked to be the responsible party. And again, what that means is exactly what I said in the nursing home about the guarantor. They will want you to sign to promise to use your money if mom or dad can't pay the bill. Well. You don't want to do that, or most people don't. Some people don't mind. They're willing to pay their money for mom or dad. Most people can't afford it. Not when we're talking about $3,500, 4000 4, maybe up to $10,000 in assisted living a month. Most people can't afford or don't want to pay that bill. Well, you don't want to sign as a responsible party. You've got to be really careful when you're reading these contracts. That's why I keep saying you should bring your contract to an attorney, have an attorney review it and explain what each provision means to you and make sure that when you sign this, this contract, you're not doing it and putting yourself at financial risk. Actually, what we always tell our clients, and again, don't take this as advice, just take it as a comment. If mom or dad can sign, we want them to sign. You know, you don't want you, you to sign anything you don't have to. If they can sign, let them do it. And, and don't let them list you as a, as a, guarantee, a guarantor or a responsible party. You don't have to accept that responsibility. If the facility has a problem with it, and they don't want to take mom or dad because of it, well, then you're going to have to work through that. It means you're either going to have to deal with the facility, or you're going to move mom or dad to some other facility um, that doesn't give you such a, a difficult and, and, and unfriendly contract. But remember, you don't have to do it. And nursing homes can't ask you to do it. They're not supposed to ask you to sign as a guarantor. So be on the lookout. Remember the contracts are written to pr- protect the facility, okay? They often limit the rights of the residents and their their fiduciaries, you as much as possible. So they uh, too often these documents are given to you and the people, they'll have X's or highlights or, or stickers showing you where to sign and, and people aren't looking them through, uh, looking through them well, right? And you're not going through it with a lot of, of detail. Don't be tricked into thinking that the nursing home contract is no big deal. What does the contract say? What rights are you giving up by signing it? Read it carefully. Get help. Get an elder law attorney to help you or, or any contract attorney so that they can explain what it means and how you will or your loved one will be affected in certain situations. The uh, Rest assured that if a situation ever arises. Where there's conflict between you or your loved one and the community, they will pull that contract out and rely on it. So, in the sales process, and the admissions process, while they will act very um, informal about the contract. Oh, here, sign it. Don't worry. It doesn't say much. If the time comes that there's ever a fight, an argument, that's the first thing they'll do is pull that contract out and use it against you. So, make sure you understand what it is you're signing. So, that's, that's, that, that's secret number four. Real important, um, but but you know it's all too often uh, disregarded or, or thought of as unimportant. So please keep in mind these contracts that you get really really important. Secret number five, and I'm gonna do what I what I've done already. I think twice in this episode, and I, I will do it repeatedly as this wears on. You know, as I as I have more and more episodes of the stressed out caregiver. Um, I will put a disclaimer in. I am, not an, I, I am an attorney. I'm not giving legal advice. What we're about to talk about in secret number five is the Medicaid five-year look back. Now, remember, I'm an attorney in Haddonfield, New Jersey, South Jersey. Um, I focus on New Jersey law when I talk in this episode and in and, and, and the podcast. So, the Stressed Out Caregiver podcast, any talk of the law is based on the state of New Jersey. Now, we have a Medicaid five-year look back. Now, that's not to say the Medicaid five-year look back isn't federal, but just understand that I'm going to take all my angle of approach as we're discussing this is New Jersey. So, um, Medicaid is really tricky, okay? It's very easy to mess up and jeopardize eligibility for Medicaid benefits if you don't manage your money or your loved one's money properly, and if you do things... um, Well, there's lots of uh, pitfalls and traps that you can fall into. So you can protect money. You just have to be really careful. It's why you should seek the help of an elder law attorney before you do anything. Because trying to protect money can create problems for you if you need benefits in the future, Medicaid benefits. There are things that a lot of people think they can do to protect their money and Medicaid won't mind them doing it. Uh, but those very common things can lead to big Medicaid problems. So seek help. Um, you need an elder law attorney if you want to protect money in a nursing home and and are looking for Medicaid. Now, um, a lot of people when they're when they're dealing with the nursing home, there's talk of a Medicaid spend down and the five year look back, and and there's a lot of questions as to what those terms really mean. Well. Medicaid looks back five years from when the application is made for Medicaid benefits. So if someone applies for Medicaid benefits today, Medicaid looks back back 60 months prior to the application date to see how the applicant's money was used. They want to see how it was spent and whether it was used for the applicant's benefit or given away. See, Medicaid doesn't actually think of it though in the term, um, they, they don't think of gifts the way most of us do. No, instead what they do is they consider whether fair market value was received for the money spent. That means if someone paid money out and got fair market value back, then the payment will be accepted by Medicaid. But if someone paid money out and received less than fair market value back, in that example or situation, Medicare will consider the difference between the money paid and the value received as a gift. Now that's confusing, so let me give you an example. What happens if someone sells their house worth $150,000 to their child for $1, right? People th- say, I didn't give my house away. I sold it. I sold it to my child for a dollar. Well, Medicaid's going to look at the value paid by the applicant, or I'm sorry, the value received by the Medicaid a- applicant. So in this case, the house is worth $150,000, but the applicant received one dollar. Okay? So, the person who quote unquote purchased the house paid one dollar for an asset worth $150,000. So, Medicaid going to subtract the amount received from the value paid. So, here it would be $150,000 minus one dollar. The difference is $149,999. That is the amount that Medicaid will consider to be a gift and that will be subject to a Medicaid penalty. Now the look back again, um, let, let, so, so the, the look back is they look for how you used your money in the five years preceding the Medicaid application. If you sold your house to, a, to your child for a dollar seven years ago, is that within the five years um, prior to the Medicaid application? No. It's more than five years out, Medicaid wouldn't see it in the look back. They can only see what happens in the 60 months prior to the Medicaid application. Now, the other word we talked about, the other term, was spend down. What does that mean? Well, spend down is, what did you do with your money in those 60 months? So the 60 months that Medicaid is looking back, every dollar you spent was considered part of the spend down process. It's really just spending money. So I think people overcomplicate the idea of spend down. Sometimes as you're getting closer to Medicaid, you will start spending your money on things that most people wouldn't purchase. So for instance, a prepaid funeral, um, you might pay money on that or, or some other things you might pay off loans or do improvements to the house in a way to spend your money so that you get You get it spent faster and will be able to apply for Medicaid sooner. Sometimes people think of that in and of itself as spend down. But really, I look at it as, how did you spend your money during the look back period? That is the spend down process. So, that's what those two terms mean. So, the Medicaid five-year look back is the thing that most people don't understand when they go to the nursing home. Now, the problem is this. Is it a secret that the nursing home is keeping from you? No. No. Actually, this is probably not a secret the nursing home is keeping from you, but it's something that they don't understand either. The people you talk to at the nursing home don't understand Medicaid well enough to, well, give advice, but actually they're not supposed to give advice, right? They're not attorneys. The only people who are supposed to be giving legal advice and advice on Medicaid is, is legal. The only people supposed to be doing that are attorneys, but they will try to help you. They'll try to help you by giving you information the problem is they usually don't understand the information themselves. It's not in any way to belittle or demean them. They are very good at what they do. It's just Medicaid isn't what they do. So when you go in with these questions about spending money and making gifts, they don't know what the answers are. Sometimes though, we have to be careful because just because people don't know the answer doesn't mean they aren't going to um, doesn't mean they aren't going to try and give it to you. <laughs> or give you an answer whether they know it to be right or not. So be really careful. So that was the um, that was the uh, what was it? The Medicaid five-year look back in that we talked about spend down and the look back. Um, we define the look back as the 60 months. We talked about how Medicaid uh, views money you spend and whether it's a gift or not. So let's jump ahead here to, to secret number six. Let's focus one, again on the spend down. So I kind of mixed that in with secret number five. But secret number six is Medicaid spend down. Let's back up again. So when you apply for Medicaid, they look back at the five years or the 60 months, 60 months before the application to see how you spent your money. So when you spend your money during that period of time, it's a spend down process. The goal of the spend down process is to either spend your money on things that Medicaid won't object to or make gifts that Medicaid won't penalize, or you, if they do penalize the gifts, you manage the penalties, so you're able to save the money or protect the money you give away. There really isn't anything mysterious about spend-down, but there definitely are traps and pitfalls you're gonna to want to avoid. Consider this, sometimes you don't even know you're in the spend-down process because you aren't thinking about needing a nursing home or Medicaid in the near future. In those instances, you know you can be caught off guard when Medicaid looks back five years and you need to do things then to fix whatever you might have done that creates Medicaid problems. So you have to be careful um, when, you're, when you're spending your money during that time. So for instance, if someone moves into a nursing home and doesn't have enough money to pay for more than five years, that's when you would apply for Medicaid, right? So they move into the nursing home, they have enough money to pay for two years, they have to go in and apply for Medicaid. Medicaid looks back five years, the two years they're in the nursing home and the three years before, what might you have done in those three years that could cause you problems as Medicaid reviews what you've done? What might you have done that could create a Medicaid penalty? Now, an elder law attorney can look at that with you, go through it, help you try to fix any problems you might have caused, but you have to be really careful. Well, so real fast, what might might one of those problems be? Well, for instance, again, go back to the house example. Say you sold your house to your child for a dollar before you moved into the nursing home. Was that a sale or a gift? Well, it was a gift. Medicaid's going to look at that and they're going to want to assess a Medicaid penalty. We're going to talk about that as our next secret, but first let's close this one. So Medicaid spend down is that five years before the application. That five years is the look back. So Medicaid spend down is what you did with your money in those five years before the application and the five years before the application is the look back. So Medicaid looks back five years, sees what you did with your money, what you did with it during that period of time is spend down. Now, what if you spent your money in a way that Medicaid thinks or considers to be a gift? You sold your house to your child for a dollar. Well, what's Medicaid going to do? This is secret number seven. These are Medicaid penalties. So what's that mean? We talked about the sale of the house for a dollar. I hate to belabor this point, but it's a great example, isn't it? You sold your house to your child for a dollar. You gave away in that process $149,999 in equity. Medicaid is going to penalize that gift if it happens within the five years before the Medicaid application. In other words, if it happens within the five-year look back. Now, a Medicaid penalty is the amount of time Medicaid won't pay for your care or your loved one's care due to the fact they gave money away that could have been otherwise used to pay for their care if they had kept it. If your loved one had sold their house for $150,000 and gone into the nursing home, what would they have been able to pay for? Roughly maybe 15 months if the facility costs 10000 a month. So if you assume it costs 10000 a month and you gave away $149,999 or round that up to 150000 you gave away enough money to pay for 15 months of care in the nursing home, and Medicaid will assess a 15-month penalty, which means they won't pay for the nursing home for the first 15 months you would otherwise be eligible for benefits. Please understand, this is an example. It's not exactly how the numbers work, but it does a really good job of illustrating the concepts of a Medicaid penalty. See, Medicaid uses things Like divisors and other criteria to calculate penalties. The divisor changes pretty frequently. Right now, it's roughly $10,000. The divisor is meant to reflect the average cost of nursing home in the state of New Jersey. So, again, $10,000. Now, nursing homes range from, well, maybe slightly more than $9,000 up to the ones I, I deal with regularly up to about $15,000 a month. Some are probably even more in other parts of the state where I don't usually practice. So, you know, it can, it can $10,000 might not be one month. It actually might be more than a month, right? If, if the facility costs $15,000 a month and Medicaid says you cost yourself 15 months of pen, 15 months of medicaid by giving away $150,000, right? So you give away 150,000, medicaid divides it by 10,000. That's 15 months you could have paid if you had kept the money. But the reality is in a facility that costs, well, let's say $20,000 a month. Right now we're a little crazy. It doesn't usually cost $20,000 a month, but if it did cost $20,000 a month, that 150,000 wouldn't pay for 10 months or um, 15 months, it would pay for 7.5 months. So that penalty could be a huge problem because it's not a one for one. It's not every $10,000 you gave away is the cost of one month in the nursing home. Every $10,000 you gave away is actually half the cost of a month in the nursing home. But Medicaid doesn't care. Oh, you got to be really careful when you're dealing with gifts and Medicaid penalties. It can have some really problematic results. That's why I keep saying you're going to need to talk to an elder law attorney. You're going to need to talk to somebody who can analyze what went on during the five-year look back and give you advice on whether or not you're going to have a problem. And if you are going to have a problem, they're going to try and help you cure the problem. Now, what's the problem? So, the, the, the family says, wait a minute. My loved one gave $150,000 away. If we use the divisor, $10,000. That's a 15-month penalty, and even if we assume the cost of the nursing home was is, is $10,000 a month, and it's a, a 15-month penalty, and it actually works out dollar for dollar. If I had $150,000, I could pay for 15 months of the nursing home, and uh, that's exactly what the penalty would be, but here's the kick. Here's the kicker, or here's the rub. I don't have the money. My parent gave me the house. I sold it. I spent the money on vacations. It's all gone. I don't have the money to give back. What's going to happen to my loved one? Well, it's actually Medicaid says we don't really care. That's between you and the nursing home. Well, I'll tell you this, the nursing home won't be happy because they're not going to get paid for the first 15 months that your loved one would otherwise be eligible for Medicaid. They're going to have a problem with that. So you have to be careful, get the help. An elder law attorney can help you. I know I keep saying that and I'm sorry. I keep going back to another law attorney, but really that's what you need in this situation. You need somebody that can give you guidance on what to do if you haven't done it yet. They can tell you yes or no if you're going to try and, 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 and protect money and um, they can help you protect money. And they're also going to be able to look at what happened in the past and try and help you fix it so that it wouldn't resolve in Medicaid penalties or, or maybe there's an exception that might apply, that if you, if you gave something away, maybe there's a Medicaid exception where they won't penalize that gift. Well, and I, I think I'm teasing the next episode where we're going to talk about secrets because in that next episode, we're going to talk about exemptions and some other important things that, well, frankly, the nursing home might not tell you or maybe because they don't want you to know it or maybe because they don't know it themselves. So, let's go back. What did we talk about? What were the four secrets today? Well, in New Jersey, no one has to guarantee your payments to a nursing home. We talked about the Medicaid five-year look back. We talked about Medicaid spend down and we talked about Medicaid penalties. These are really important concepts. The first deals with the contract and how important that is. The second deals with Medicaid and the pitfalls and the traps and the things you have to be aware of if your loved one may run out of money at some point in in the future. And you're going to need Medicaid benefits in the nursing home. So, wow, I, I hope, I think these are important. I hope I'm, I'm conveying them in a way that makes sense. You're going to get back to me if you listen to this and you have any questions if you're confused. Remember, uh, this is not legal advice. I hate doing it, but I'm going to do it again. It's not legal advice. This is just information so that you are aware of these issues. Should your loved one need nursing home or, or should Medicaid be something... That be, might be coming at some point in the future. So with that, you know we're getting close to the end of the show. Well, we're pretty much there. I'm going to ask you to do this. I'm going to ask you to remember the goal of this show is that when you hear about various issues as you're caring for your loved one, I want you to know what's going on. I want you to be aware of, of what options and opportunities and, and things might exist so, so you're not just walking in the dark. I hope this show shines a light as you're caring for your loved one, so that you have a better understanding of of what's going on and what might need to be done and what options exist to make life better for your loved one and for you. Because you know, everybody deserves a high quality of life. You're doing your best to give one to your loved one to make sure their quality of life stays where you think it should be. And frankly, my my goal was to help you have the high quality of life that you deserve as you're giving so selflessly to help them so, please remember, if you have any questions or comments, um, you can email me. It's Casey, C-A-S-E-Y, at thestressedoutcaregiver.com. You can email questions, you can send in comments, I, I try and answer every single one of them. My goal is to accumulate some of the questions and have an episode of questions in that, that touch a lot of people. Because, if those of you who are writing in have questions, I'm sure those of you who aren't may have those questions too, so let's we'll do what we can. So. Please don't be shy, send in your questions and comments. Um, if you like the show, you could do me a huge favor by going to iTunes and giving me a five star rating and leaving a review, that's, that's big, uh, very, very helpful. Um, and uh, you know, get the word out, let's, let's share this information with other caregivers, I, I think uh, it could provide them with value, and you know, that's what we're trying to do, we're trying to help each other out a little bit. So, here is our quote of the week. And I love this one, faith is taking the first step even when you don't see the whole staircase. Faith is taking the first step even when you don't see the whole staircase. And that's Martin Luther King Jr. who said that. And while it, it applies in, in many situations, man, it applies in caregiving, doesn't it? Nobody taught you how to do this. Nobody explained to you what this job would entail you just found yourself one day caring for your loved one and maybe it's easy maybe you know they're great and and things are going well and you're just giving a little bit of guidance like training wheels training wheels on a bike and they're riding it and you're just keeping them upright and then maybe it's it's you're wholly responsible and the one that they're leaning on for help in this situation and you can feel it well you know it's funny both those scenarios, you don't know what's next. You know if you, whether you're whether you're just a, a steady somebody helping to steady them, or whether you're somebody who's carrying them on your back. The next step, who knows? And you know you got to keep the faith. You got to keep the faith that you're doing your best. They know it. They appreciate it. They love you for what you're doing. And uh, don't be afraid. Don't be nervous. Take that next step. And you'll be surprised. You're going to feel great because you'll be able to look back and know you did your best and made their life better. And if they could, they would look back and say how proud they are of you, of everything you did, of the time and everything else that you gave to them. So look, in this holiday season, you know, please um, have a great one, have a safe one. Until I talk to you again, I wish you all the best.